Hello. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of Diagnosing a Killer. I'm Koal. And I'm Kenna. My voice sounded really low. Low. Hello. I'm just, you know what it is, is that I'm just now getting a little bit of caffeine in my body, and mm-hmm. I'm like, ugh, like I'm settling into this feeling of like, okay, I'm getting re-energized, I'm getting my second wind of the day, because we're recording this a little late in the evening. I'm the opposite, because I had a doctor's appointment today, like you know, mm-hmm. and I had to get my blood drawn. Not had to, but I needed to get my blood drawn. I had to get my blood drawn. And, you know, yeah. doctors. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh, God, how embarrassing. <laughs> but I had so much adrenaline and anxiety, like, all day, even sitting in the room, like, I was worried. And then as soon as I left, like, all of that crashed. And so now my horm- my body's all, like, emo- like Im- imbalanced emotionally. Yeah. So I'm like, ugh, I'm just tired. <laughs> I definitely get that way that if I have quite a bit of anxiety about, like you said, like, a doctor's appointment or a meeting or something... And then it's over, my body just starts to, like, relax, and is like, yeah. okay, you can take a nap now. No, seriously. And I'm like, thanks. Like, <laughs> this wasn't a life or death situation, Yeah, and you made it feel like it was, and now I'm tired. Yeah, brain. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Welcome back, everybody. Yeah. I hope you guys are enjoying our episodes lately. I know that we've had our little change in schedule, but we've had some really good comments about that as well. I And I know so. that I, you guys have been so nice and just expressing your concern with us and you said that we're, you're happy that we're taking time for ourselves and mm-hmm. focusing on school and work and the holiday season yeah but yeah so thank you guys for continuing to support us of course and i have heard some pretty good feedback when well i mean for you guys maybe like Ugh. you know because <laughs> it's like <laughs> i heard from a listener the other day that's like i am so addicted that I'm craving another episode, and <laughs> it's been two weeks, yeah. and, you know, uh, thank you guys so much for your patience on that. They also did say, though, that it gave them a chance to kind of go back and listen to maybe some ones they didn't listen closely enough to. Yeah, exactly. Or maybe try out some of the mental breakdowns or some DAK lives. So, yeah, some yeah. good content to freshen up on. For sure. And if this is your first episode listening, welcome. And you have plenty of bingeable content. Yeah. (laughs) It'll be months before you guys are like, where's the next episode? I was thinking about that trailer we did for Jason Mm -hmm. for Santa may be a criminal and it has yet to air because I think he's waiting until next season, which makes sense. Because I've been listening to it. Yeah, same. I was listening yesterday. I'm so (laughs) obsessed. I'm a little farther than you, I think. Are you? I'm at the uh, Cardelfians right now. Maybe I'm not. I think I'm on. I'm on Easter Bunny Unmasked. Have you heard that one? Oh my gosh! Yeah. Oh, okay, I'm on that yeah. one. Evie, Evie Cooper. Yeah. Easter Bunny. Yeah. Well, he's not Easter Bunny. I think his name is like Edward Barker. Or something. Yeah, something hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So I was thinking about the trailer that we did for Jason and how that's going to air. And it's going to be like catch us on Mondays for a bunch of. Oh right yeah. <laughs> well. It'll be better January January first. We're gonna start That's that true. up again. So, and if he does do the season throughout the holidays, then yeah, it won't be that long. It won't be that long. We're not liars, we? I promise. <laughs> At the time we recorded it, we were doing two a week. That's true. But <sighs> you know what? Things change. Change Things is good. <laughs> change is good. I definitely want to hear your case, but first, I do want to read a DM we got from a listener in Italy recently. Is it Little Italy? I don't think so. No, he it's just, just said Italy. Italy. Yes. <laughs> 
This is from a listener named Alessandro. He said that we can use his name. And he said, hello! Hello! How are you doing? I hope everything's fine. Let's get straight to the point. Thank you. I bumped into your podcast a month ago, and now I have you in my earphones every day. Hmm. You might be wondering what thank you is about. He did share a personal story about his mental health. And then he said it's incredible to see that there's people who actually care to talk about mental health. Anyways, love the way you deliver the stories. And he kind of like... It said yo like y o mm-hmm. and then when i messaged back he's like i accidentally sent that first message without finishing it but i'm from italy yeah. so nice but yes thank you for that lovely message we yeah. love not only hearing from people across the fucking world but people that we know that we're truly making an impact on like that's our whole goal in this so for sure. thank you for reaching out and letting us know because that warms our hearts to hear that from absolutely you. yeah it definitely opens up a little bit more of a dialogue to talk about you know what the heart of what we do is yeah yeah for sure. sure. <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> okay, that's okay. For sure. Today we're going to be talking about stop. Henry Lee Lucas. Oh yeah, the confession okay. killer. Okay, <sighs> all right. Not who I thought you were doing. No, nope. all right. No, nope. my uh, my wrist I... just popped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is like, okay over there. <laughs> Content warning: This episode describes scenes of child abuse, sexual abuse, psychological abuse of a child, attempted suicide. Substance and alcohol use, rape, bestiality, arson, incest, necrophilia, and decapitation. If this episode is not for you, we encourage you to check out another one of our episodes. Remember that your mental health is important to us, and we love you. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. Um, I'm fucking sorry. It's a bit of a douche. It's just a bit much. It's a bit much. It's a bit much, and it. It it. In it's it. change die, in it. We love you guys. Henry Lee Lucas was born August 23rd, 1936, so it was the 1930s. Oh, it was actually (laughs) this time. (laughs) It's the 1930s. His parents were Nellie Viola and Anderson Lucas. Nellie's cute. Nellie is a cute name. I know one Nellie. It's spelled that way. N-E-L-L-I-E. It's cute. Cute. The couple would have a total of nine children over the course of 22 years. Opal, Elmer, Nora, Frida... Harry, Almeda, or Almeida, Warden, Andrew, and then Henry was the youngest. Okay, so they named, like, all of their kids, like, cute-ish names, and then they named one Almond? Al- <laughs> Almeida, I think it is. A-L-M-E-D-A. Or is it Almeda? I don't know. It sounds like Almond. It sounds like Almond. Yeah. It's, I think it's Almeda. And also A- Elmer. Al- Almeda? Elmer is Al- funny. Elmer is cute. I like Frida. Frida? F-R-I-D-A? Yeah. yeah F-R-I-D-A. Uh, no. F-R-E-D-A. Frida. Like Freda. John Frida. John Frida. <laughs> Although I'm re-watching Orange right now, and I love Frida. Frida's the best. See, I haven't seen it in so long, I don't even remember that character. Frida? She's mm-hmm. the survivalist girl? The survivalist lady with the octopus tattoo on her neck? Damn, Frida's awesome. Nellie was actually 48 when she had Henry, his Whoa. father being just 35. Whoa. Yeah. She was Whoa. Just, yeah, she was Whoa, there, old. lady. Especially for the 1930s. <laughs> Fuck, I missed a great opportunity to go, whoa, Nelly. Whoa, Nelly. <laughs> Damn it. Why would you do this to I us? I could have paused it and then, like, <laughs> pretended like I was that quick on it. Yeah, it wouldn't have been to, authentic. I'd have to fake react. Yeah. You'd be like, ha, 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 that's hilarious. <laughs> Not see that one go. Like a horse. Uh, we're tangenting too much already. Come on. Sorry. <laughs> Let's go. The family was residing in Blacksburg, Virginia. Anderson once worked for a railroad company. However, after a workplace accident, Anderson would actually lose both of his legs. <gasps> and this is not funny, 
but his nickname was No Legs. That's not funny. Anderson No Legs Lucas. Okay, also good opportunity to say Henderson No Legs. <laughs> All Henderson No Legs. <laughs> <laughs> you made a whoa Nelly joke. Okay, that's not funny. It's not funny, but what that situation is not funny, but all Henderson no legs is <laughs> hilarious. It's not funny. No, not seriously, funny. I'm I'm funny. really not trying to be a dick. I'm so sorry. She's crying. She's got tears coming out of her eyes. I'm not joking. I just took probably a five-minute break. I had to blow my nose. Well, yeah, I had to get up and everything, too, but I <sighs> am so sorry. I could not stop laughing at the name. It's the name. That really sucks, though, the situation. It yeah. really does. Well, I just, you know, it's interesting because we've done that one about railway railway spine. Yeah. Remember when they used to call it PTSD? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine the amount of PTSD you would have? Oh, absolutely. That's terrifying. <sighs> Forced to make ends meet, Anderson began to make illegal alcohol out of the house to sell. Hmm. He can't go anywhere, really. Okay. You know, he's probably on... I didn't even know if they had disability. No, oh, I don't think probably they Probably not. That. No, for sure. Anderson soon turned to alcohol himself and became an alcoholic. Oh, that's so sad. He was also apparently a pencil salesman. I don't know. Look, Wikipedia is not the best reference. Yeah. But apparently he used to sell pencils. I mean, I frequently need a pencil, so, yeah. I mean, everyone needs them. <laughs> I think pencils were huge. Yeah. They were huge. They were huge. Nellie, too, became addicted to alcohol and would often rage at her family when under the influence, especially taking out her rage on her husband and her sons. That's so awful. Nellie also began participating in sex work to make extra money for the family. Nellie would also engage in sexual acts with men in front of the children. Oh, my God. Specifically, Henry was made to watch. Oh. Yeah. Just made to. And which one of them grew up to be a murderer? Probably a lot of them, actually. I mean, there's nine. I guess one out of nine isn't bad. That's terrible, though, because, like, I don't know. I always think, like, when we do these, I always think of, like, if you had just not done that, if you had maybe not done that, he would have, like, been a been, decent human. Yeah, yeah, or at least sought help. Henry said about this time, quote, first thing I can remember was my mom in bed with another man in the house, and she made me watch it. I just couldn't stand there and watch. I had to turn my back and walk out of the house. And after I did that, she would beat me because I didn't watch. That's fucking twisted. Like, that's sick. Nellie had expressed several times that she wanted to bring up Henry to be a pimp as she knew that it was the easiest way to make money. And he's like a kid. He's like 10. Ew. 8 or 10. Nellie began seeing a man she called Uncle Bernie. Which immediately sounds creepy. That does sound gross who would eventually move into the home and become Nellie's boyfriend, a live-in boyfriend. So she's living with her husband, all those children, and a live-in boyfriend. And Anderson just, like, doesn't mind, or he doesn't Sure, he's passed out most of the time. I'm sure he doesn't. He's drinking a lot. Yeah. Nellie encouraged Uncle Bernie to beat the children as well, especially Henry, Henry, since their father was disabled and the children needed a father figure. Because you can't be a father figure... With you, when you have a disability, right? Yeah, when but you have a disability. Well, he is also an alcoholic. He's probably not... He's Again, he's probably... That's true. Not functional. Functional, Which is probably another reason why, you know, Anderson's probably dealing with a lot of depression. Let's not forget that. Yeah. PTSD, the drinking is probably, in his mind, helping those things. 
And, uh, yeah, he's probably like, if you think that this guy can parent better than I can, then what's the harm? Yeah. Plus, uh, you know, he probably knows that she's engaged in sex work anyways. It's true. Many times the three adults in the home would be passed out, leaving the children to fend for themselves. Or more than not, Nellie would have strange men coming and going from the one-bedroom home in order to keep working. So it wasn't 12 just... 12 people in this one-bedroom mm-hmm. home? Jesus. In a one-bedroom home. Yeah. But again, it's like, she's not going out and doing this. She's, like, bringing it in yeah, the house. Yeah, that's dangerous as fuck. Yeah. Like, especially to the kids. Nellie would beat and humiliate the children whenever she could. And Henry, being the youngest, took the brunt of the abuse. Nellie was hitting Henry with various objects at any given point. And once Henry was just eight years old, Nellie actually bludgeoned Henry with a wooden plank so hard he fell into a coma for three days. Holy shit! Yeah. That's scary. She never once sought help for Henry's injuries, and yeah, he would just come to a few days later. Oh, she probably thought he was dead. She probably did. And imagine that fucking frontal lobe injury. Oh yeah, absolutely. This is eight. He was eight years old. That's terrible. Nellie would also dress up Henry in his sister's clothing in order to emasculate him at a young age. Oh, my God. Nellie would even send her son to school in his sister's clothing. Oh, my God. I was just about to ask, is he going to school? Yeah. This is also in public, like, whenever they would go out in public. He said about this time, quote, I hated all my life. I hated everyone. When I first grew up, and I can remember, I was dressed up as a girl by my mother, and I stayed that way for two or three years. And after that, I was treated like what I would call a dog of the family. I was beaten, and I was made to do things that no human being would want to do, end quote. That breaks my heart. It's really fucking sad. And he's the youngest. Yeah, I'm sure, you know, all of the other siblings have probably gone through very similar things. Yeah. Henry, at this time, tried to escape into school, and we see that often with abused children. He didn't seem to have trouble making friends. And once he was actually given a teddy bear by a teacher. Aww. Upon arriving home, however, Nellie took the bear from Henry and beat him severely for bringing home the bear. What? Yeah. It's like a Lisa Montgomery story. Remember, like, how the mom hit Lisa? I forgot what it was. She came home with something. I don't remember. Or she killed the dog. She killed the family dog. Oh, my God. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it just simply, he sim- she simply doesn't want Henry to be happy at all. Yeah, She was clearly. essentially like, how dare you bring home something that could bring you joy. Yeah. Nellie's abuse was not limited to her children and husband. Actually, in one instance, she shot and killed a young mule that was given to the family by his uncle, oh, by Henry's no. uncle, his actual uncle. Yeah, not Uncle Bernie. Like uncle Bernie. <laughs> not Uncle Bernie. <laughs> yeah, so she shot and killed this gift. It's sad. When Henry was 10 or 11 years old, he was fighting with his older brother, and his brother would brandish a knife. His brother swatted the knife at Henry and at some point had grazed or cut his eye. His actual eye? Henry's actual eye. Oh, hell no. Nellie refused to take Henry to the hospital. So over the course of four days, he would get an infection. And while at school, his eye had become so enlarged and infected that it burst at school. Shut up. That's so gross. Should I put that in the content warning? (laughs) Sorry. No, I don't think that... I mean, that's just a it's gross... Just, it's just gross. Like, picture in yeah. my head. Henry was then rushed to the hospital where he underwent surgery, and they removed his eye and fitted him for a prosthetic I did not eye. know he had a fake eye. Mm-hmm. That's so awful. And you could have done something to prevent that. Yeah. But you didn't. God. You just didn't take him. Well, I mean, we're not he really... Would have, 
Yeah, expecting much from the lady who left him in a fucking coma for three days. Yeah, she left him in the coma for three days, and then not only that, but she would have to probably admit that she wasn't watching her son brandishing a knife. That's true. Yeah. Oh my god, that's so awful. I bet. I don't know if the brother even felt bad. I bet he. Hopefully, he did. But probably thought it was just all in good fun. Yeah, I mean, they're probably all being taught to like just do what the fuck ever, do whatever you you want. Yeah, just stay out of my way. Imagine being in that classroom when his eyeball popped. Oh my god. Gross. I don't wish that upon anybody. It's awful. And you're 10. You're 10 or 11. Yeah. Permanently, like, you don't have an eye for the rest of your life. I didn't realize that your eyeball could pop. Yeah, it was just infected. Okay. I'm done. Shortly after this, Henry began to drink heavily, which isn't surprising because his role models are these assholes. But he's 12. Yeah, he's like 10, 11, 12, somewhere in there. He also began to act out sexually in school around his peers. Well, he's been exposed I mean, to sex been shown that. too. Yeah, exactly. Henry actually began to start a sexual relationship with his half brother that lasted for some time. I'm sorry, because that's again that's all they're I'm, being fucking shown. Yeah, I'm sure his brother was also abused. Henry was also at some point exposed to animal abuse and bestiality. Ugh. So Henry around. 12, 13 would begin to capture animals, torture them, engage in sexual acts with them, and then ultimately kill them. Oh my god. In 1949, when Henry was just 13 years old, Henry's father, Anderson, would get extremely inebriated and accidentally pass out outside overnight. Oh. This was a particularly snowy night, a blizzard even, and Anderson would ultimately die of exposure and hypothermia. Holy shit. That's wild. Yeah. So he just was so intoxicated. So say, how just, drunk do you have to be very, to, like, not feel to that? To not feel. Yeah. There's an episode of Orange where that happens. Lin- Linda's sorority... What, what's, like, the head sorority chick? The president. Uh, oh, is it, like, a president? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so the president, I guess, like, f- tried to, like, pee outside, and then she got stuck out there or something, and then she, she died of hypothermia. Oh, my God. So I was like, man, apparently that fucking happens. Well, yeah, for sure. Overnight. I mean, some places are super fucking cold. Where is this, Virginia? This is Virginia, yeah. yeah. So now dealing with the loss of his father, his own alcoholism, his sexual proclivities, Mm -hmm. Henry would drop out of school and begin touring around Virginia, stealing and robbing whenever he could. Oh, my gosh. Just like violence is a way of life, because that's exactly what you're teaching your kids. Yeah, and if you want something, you just take it. Yeah, exactly. In 1951, when he was just 14 or 15 years old, Henry would claim to take the life of a 17-year-old, Laura Everlene Burnsley. Hmm. So she had apparently denied his sexual advances. Henry claimed that he fell in love with Laura, although the last known sighting of her was her waiting at a bus stop. Okay. So doesn't know, like, there's not a clear picture of how long they might have known each other. Yeah. So when Henry tried to act on these feelings of either love or sexual frustration, he actually strangled Laura and left her body near Harrisburg, Virginia. Oh, my gosh. So, again, she was last seen at a bus stop in Lynchburg, Virginia. Henry later claimed that Laura's death was a result of consensual sex that became aggressive and then went too far. Although Henry confessed to these crimes later in 1984, saying about this crime, quote, it scares me quite a little bit because the first girl I killed was when I was 14 years old. I wanted to try the sex I had been watching. I got to playing too rough with her. The pressure of seeing my mom hit me and my emotions more or less took over and I couldn't quite handle it, end quote. So he is saying, like, after all of it, he's saying, like, it was consensual. Maybe it wasn't for her, but, like, I was trying to 
just be rough sex and then everything came out emotion wise and i just like lost it snapped yeah laura's body has never been recovered oh man that's a bummer a few years later in 1954 henry and his half-brother were arrested on burglary charges the two would be convicted with henry sentenced to six years imprisonment henry would immediately begin to plan an escape (laughs) right um, to which, actually, he was able to follow through with. Oh, great. <laughs> However, just a mere three days later, Henry would be recaptured and taken into custody to carry out the remainder of his sentencing at Virginia State Prison. Oh. Henry served five years, being released in 1959, and he immediately went to go live with his older sister, Opal. Although Henry had been corresponding with a woman by the name of Stella Harris, and the two were engaged, he did elect to stay with his sister when he got out. So, yeah, he's engaged to Stella. 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 It's no secret that we value your mental health. So we are thrilled to announce that we are sponsored by BetterHelp to support you. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can access a network of over 30,000 licensed therapists with a wide range of specialties and be linked with the perfect match. Whether it's via text, chat, or video call, you can talk to your therapist when it works for you. When it comes to your mental health, BetterHelp is a convenient and affordable option for therapy. Get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash dakpod. That's betterhelp slash dakpod for 10% off your first month. Henry at this time was not interested in reconnecting with his mother, However, Nellie had other plans for Henry. Oh, my God. He's like, I, I want nothing to fucking do with you. Yeah. And she's like, oh, no, just let me sense. come see you and hang I, out. I still need my, you to be my pimp. I, yeah. She was able to track the siblings down and demanded that Henry move in with her in order to take care of her. By this time, Nellie was 71 years old and told her son, due to her being incapable of caring for herself, he was to move in at once. She also did not care for her son's fiance Stella, and she made this very clear. Perhaps jealousy is what I'm thinking. Oh, like she's like, for sure. Oh, you're not going to come move in with me because you're engaged now? Nellie stayed with the siblings throughout Christmas and New Year's, but by the 11th of January 1960, Henry was spiraling deep into his thoughts of trauma and the threat of Nellie ruining his life yet again. I mean, yeah, he's got to have some crazy PTSD, like, from his childhood and, like, this is all bringing it back up yeah. with his mom. Especially being separated from her while he was in prison for, for about so five long. years. Yeah. yeah. After a day's worth of arguing back and forth, Henry picked up a broomstick and began to strike Nellie about her body and head. Oh, shit. He then, in a further fit of rage, picked up a knife and began to stab her in the neck repeatedly. He said about this, quote, I was pretty well drunk when she started arguing with me wanting me to go back to live with her in Virginia, but I told her I didn't want nothing to do with her. All I remember was slapping her alongside the neck, but after I did that, I saw her fall, and I decided to grab her. But she fell on the floor, and when I went to go pick her back up, I realized that she was dead. Then I noticed that I had a knife in my hand, and she had been cut. End quote. Mm, that last sentence doesn't sound very accurate. It's a little sus. <laughs> a little sus. Yeah, that, I mean, it, again, it kind of seems like I mean, he's not saying, like, I didn't do it. He's saying, like, these are the details. I'm a little fuzzy on, like, what actually happened. Yeah. But, like, I knew I had a knife. But you know I did I mean? it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> that's not funny. But that's terrible. Yeah. I mean, not. Th- I'm, nobody deserves that, obviously. Um, but, I mean, she, it kind of seems like she was still in that role of, 
well, you're not going to do anything to me. I'm your mother. Yeah. You know, and now you're looking at a grown ass fucking man that's already served prison time. Yeah. And she's this 71 year old yeah. lady, you know? Henry then packed a very light bag and proceeded to flee the area. Was anyone else there when that happened? No. Opal arrived home to find her mother in a pool of blood, but apparently still alive. Oh. She called for an ambulance and police. However, upon their arrival, Nellie was unfortunately pronounced deceased. Oh, man. Henry was later found in Ohio, and when asked about the incident, he claimed that it was self-defense and gave the torrid history of the parent-child relationship. The coroner later determined that the cause of death was actually a heart attack from the assault and not the assault itself that resulted Mm. in Nellie's death. However, when the case went to trial, Henry Lucas would be found guilty of second-degree murder and sentenced to 40 years in the Jackson State Penitentiary in Michigan. 40 years? 40 years. Oh, shit. Okay. So that's the end of the story. That's Henry Lee Lucas. You're lying. (laughs) like, you're totally lying. Henry would attempt suicide multiple times by slashing at himself before being transferred to a psychiatric hospital. Oh, okay. At Iona, I think it's Ionia? State Hospital. It's also known as Michigan State Asylum. Henry here began to receive treatments such such as shock therapy, behavior therapy, and would begin taking antidepressants as well. I'm on board with the behavior therapy and antidepressants, but shock Shock therapy? therapy. Yikes. Totally 1940s. Totally, yeah. And especially (laughs) with all of the brain trauma he had experienced, too. Like, you think that's healthy? No. In 1966, Henry was evaluated and deemed safe to return to prison, but was also recommended for early release. So he was working closely with a psychologist this whole time. And the psychologist was like, look, he is seriously mentally ill. Look at his childhood. Yeah. He killed his mom after years of abuse and torture, mm-hmm. kind of like Gypsy Rose. He doesn't need to do 40 years. You don't, yeah, he's probably not going to be a repeat, offend- a repeat offender. Yeah. Because, of course, they didn't know about the f- 17-year-old. Yeah, this and this psychologist probably feels like a dick today, if they're alive, which it probably aren't. It's a long time ago, so... Therefore, he was released after serving just 10 years in 1970. So he's, what, in his 40s now? 30s? Yeah, so he was, well, he was born in 36, so yeah, he's 34, mm-hmm. right? Did I do the math on that right? I don't know. What, what year is it? Yeah, 36, right? Because then 4 would be 40, and then 30 would be, yeah, 34. Cool. Within a year of his release, Henry attempted to kidnap a young girl at gunpoint. Great. Uh, we love a wrong psychologist. Love, <laughs> love a psychologist is wrong. <laughs> no, that's hard, though, they're, Yeah, they're doing the best that they possibly yeah. <laughs> can, especially with the information that they know that they were in the 60s. For sure. <laughs> yes, this is thankfully unsuccessful, and Henry would be sentenced to another three years of imprisonment for okay. the attempted kidnapping. This time, he needs to stay in. He's three st- years is way too short for that's that. That's way too short. While in prison, Henry's cousin would actually pass away, and his cousin's widow, Betty Crawford, would begin to write Henry in prison. Okay. They corresponded over the years, and when Henry was released in 1975, the two would quickly move to Maryland with (laughs) Betty and her two daughters. Oh my gosh. But they would also quickly marry. (laughs) By the end of the year, the new family would move to Pennsylvania, and Henry would begin working on a mushroom farm. Oh, I kind of like that. I know, right? Could you imagine working on a mushroom farm? That'd be cool. It's so cute. So like, how do you know which ones to grow, though? So <laughs> like, cottage. You might die if you eat this one, but you might have a really great time if you eat this one. Oh, they probably <laughs> know. They're probably... I, I don't know. Imagine the first people that found out about mushrooms, though. Right. Like, like, this one makes you feel like you're going to fall off the earth. Right. This one makes you actually leave the earth. <laughs> Was it Andre Chikatilo where that... Those, that couple were going into the woods to pick mushrooms. Yeah. Like, That's so cute. Yeah, I did hear about, I did remember that. That would be a really cute date. 
Go to a mushroom farm. I like that. Anyways. The marriage to Betty would be a short one just after one year. Betty's daughter had come to her claiming that Henry had been molesting and raping her for quite some time. What was he taught his whole life? (sighs) I know, right? you do to your family. When I was reading this and I was like, oh my God, he married this woman with children? Like, there's no way he's not going to abuse these children. Like, ugh. It's awful. It was actually Henry who would end up leaving the situation, not Betty, which I found disturbing. She knew the information and she approached him and was like, this is what my daughter's saying about you. And he was like, nope, never happened. Bye. Like, and just dipped instead of her being like, I heard this about you. I'm leaving you. Henry went back to stealing and robbing to support himself while traveling through the United States. He would end up in Jacksonville, Florida, where he would meet a man by the name of Otis Toole. Otis was also a highly abused as a child. Parallels between the two included being raised by alcoholics. His father would also dress him up in dresses and call him Susan. What? He, too, had engaged in ancestral relationships with a family member. Oh, my gosh. And Otis was very violent from a young age. Yeah. Otis was also intellectually disabled with a low IQ and experienced grand mal seizures from a very young age. Dang. So he probably has some brain brain damage. Otis said that he could never remember a time where he didn't find fires sexually arousing okay right well it's again mcdonald right well yeah but the fire thing is one thing and then the i i feel like you don't really hear about like fires being sexually arousing i think it's just like exciting like mentally i don't know well that's like that's what i've heard as far as like arsons go like arsonists find the fire attractive somehow oh even i don't i've never heard that before yeah interesting In his teen and early adult years, Otis began to cross-dress, and this too sexually aroused him. Unable to function in society and keep a job, either by unattended mental illnesses or disabilities, Otis began engaging in sex work himself and looting to support himself. It was after that he began working in a soup kitchen that he would meet Henry Lee Lucas. The two immediately struck up a friendship and quickly began a sexual relationship. Mm. By all accounts, the relationship seemed to flourish, and at the time of their meeting, Otis was actually living with his family, and this included his 11-year-old niece, who was also intellectually disabled. Oh, no. Henry became very close to Otis's niece. Her name was Becky, and he was almost like a second uncle to her, not an Uncle Bernie. Did he molest her? The two settled in together in Otis's family home and both began working for a roofing company making decent money, Mm. at least enough to stabilize the two. All was quiet for some time. However, in January 1982, Otis barricaded a 65-year-old man by the name of George Sonnenberg in a boarding house and lit the home on fire. (gasps) What the fuck? Yeah, he just, like, barricaded this dude in there and then lit the house on fire. Like, I know that's not random, but, like, it seems random, like, in right. this time. Like, he's kind of been, like, like kind of low and slow for a long mm-hmm. time, like, kind of under the radar. I think it's mostly, uh, like, <laughs> the way that I wrote it is, like, it definitely seemed to the outside that th- these two guys are doing well together, they're living together, mm-hmm. they're providing for this niece, you know, which is kind of like their child in a way. So it's, yeah, it's, like, they kind of, again, they kind of look like this happy couple together. Yeah. And yes, they're both career criminals, but maybe they're turning their life around. And then Otis just is like, I'm going to light this man's house on fire. I wonder what the motive behind that was. Like, obviously, the arson itself, like, that's, you know, his thing. Right. But the man. Yeah. 
you know. George would ultimately succumb to his injuries as oh, well. That's so awful. Yeah. And he would be arrested for murder. Otis. Yeah. Would be arrested for it. So while Otis was dealing with all of this legal, this little legal snafu here. Oh, you know, just a little hiccup. Yeah. Henry decides to take off with 15-year-old Becky after learning that Child Protective Services were looking to remove Becky from the home. Well, yeah, that's not his fucking child. Or it's not his child. It's yeah, exactly. Family. Possibly unbeknownst to Otis, Henry was actually involved in sexually abusing Becky for a number of years. I figured so. That's so awful. And Henry eventually would claim at this point that he was in love with Becky. He was obviously grooming her. Yeah. Like, for sure. And she's... And unfortunately, she is old enough at this point to maybe not think that he's doing anything wrong. That's true. Well, you she's know? also intellectually disabled as well. Yeah. So, I don't... It, I didn't seek it out. I didn't see what her IQ was. I know that Otis's, I think, was, like, at a 75. Okay. So. The two were on the run for a few weeks until they settled in California. After Henry began work, a fellow employee had expressed their concern about their elderly mother living alone when Henry expressed that him and his wife were looking for permanent residency. Oh, my gosh. He's like, yeah, I'm also 15 years old. Not 15. I'm also, like, more than twice her age older yeah. than her. Yeah. Yeah. Like, some people thought that she was his wife, because that's what he said, but I'm sure other people probably thought that he was her dad. Yeah. Which is gross. Gross. So this fellow employee agreed to the arrangement. The couple were to live in the home to provide care to 82-year-old Kate Rich, and while living with Kate, you know, they were going to provide care to her. I can already tell you what's going to happen. Right, right, yep. While living with Kate, her family noticed that her money was being spent at an alarming rate, and the couple were then asked to leave the home. Oh. So they were just like, you gotta get out of here. Something's fishy. I was half right. Becky, distraught over the loss of a roof over her head, insisted Henry find this a solution for the two of them. Mm-hmm. So he suggested that the two, two travel to Florida, which I guess Becky had family there. So, um, at some undetermined amount of time... Becky mysteriously went missing. Oh. Seemingly heartbroken that he couldn't find his wife, Henry returned to the home of Kate Rich in order to plead with her to help in the search for Becky. Um, I'm sorry. She kicked you out because you were stealing from her, Mm -hmm. and now you want her to help you? Mm -hmm. Kate had become close with Becky in the time that she stayed with Kate, so Kate agreed to help him find Becky. And Henry knew that. In June 1982, Henry was picked up on weapons charges. However, he was alone at this point. So, last known sighting of Kate Rich was with Henry. And when he was arrested, he was alone. Jesus. Once in police custody, Henry began to tell a story that would shock the general public. No. Henry claimed that he did, in fact, kill Becky. That while the two were headed to Florida, he stopped in a field, stabbed Becky to death, and then in engaged in necrophilic acts after Becky was deceased. He dismembered her and scattered her remains throughout the field. He admitted that when he went back to the rich residence, it was with the intent to lure Kate to her death as well. Oh my god. He took Kate Rich to a campground, where he then stabbed her to death, had sex with her lifeless body, and dumped her in a drainage pipe. Oh my god, how brutal. He would claim that he would go back to this drainage pipe regularly in order to engage in further necrophilic acts. All right, Bundy. This was shocking enough to investigators as they hadn't picked Henry up for murders. Yeah. And now they're <laughs> booking him for a double homicide. That's not funny, but it's like, 
Yeah, yeah we have you on weapons charges. Weapons charges. And he's like, yeah, by the way, I'm like a serial killer. <laughs> by the way. Yeah. <sighs> but this is not all. Oh, no. A few days later, he wrote to the sheriff, quote, I have killed for the past 10 years and no one will believe me and I cannot do this. Can't do what? Can't go on doing this. End quote. Henry claimed that between 1978 and 1981, while him and Otis Atul were together, the two had committed over 100 murders. Together? During their lull. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Oh my gosh. He said in an interview, quote, I killed him every way there is except poison. There's been strangulations. There's been knifings. There's been shootings. There's been hit and runs. I don't have any emotions. I had no feeling for the people themselves or any of my crimes. I'd pick them up hitchhiking, running, and playing, stuff like that. We'd get going and have a good time. First thing you know, I'd kill her and throw her out somewhere. I don't know how to really explain why I kept on. It was just like, I say, as though I left my body. And just as though the more you look at them as though that person wasn't dead. And you just keep stabbing them and imagining that person's not dying, end quote. Jeez. So he, like, completely dissociated, like, himself out of what was actually happening. Many of the people described by Lucas were, in fact, very similar to more than a few unsolved cases in multiple states. Wow. Lucas would continue to confess over the course of a year, and he was regularly interviewed, and seemingly his knowledge of details of these crimes were something that only investigators knew. Eventually, Lucas confessed to over 200 killings, but one major thing was missing— Any evidence of not only him being connected to actual missing persons, but any evidence that some of these people were even missing in the first place. Sometimes he would confess to kidnapping in areas where no one was reported missing. And in at least one instance, he confessed to killing someone that had previously previously been ruled by a suicide, or that it was a suicide. Yeah. Henry claims started to become unreal. At one point, he claimed that he provided the poisoning used in the Jonestown mass suicides. He just said he's never killed anyone by poisoning. Yeah. So, well, this what is, is probably it? different interviews because he was regularly interviewed. Yeah. So, which one is it, though? He also claimed that he killed Jimmy Hoffa, who disappeared in 1975 and has never been found. Doubtful. Right. Slowly, one by one, some of Henry Lee Lucas's confessions began to fall apart, especially when technology began to advance in DNA testing. He's like, shit, didn't see that one coming. Yeah. It's like Golden State. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) An entire task force was formed in order to determine which of Lucas's claims were in fact true. Oh my god, so much wasted energy energy and resources and money and people's time. This took mountains of time and effort on the part of the police, and in the end, there were only 11 confirmed deaths of Lucas that he would be tried for over time. I think that he probably figured, like, fuck it, like, I'm going to prison for the rest of my life anyway. Might as well just, like, make myself super prolific. Yeah, You know, exactly. super infamous. Like, Claim all these the highest numbers. Yeah. Claim all these other murders, and all these other murderers can, like, walk the street. Yeah. It was also determined at another point that he had had access to the prison because he was constantly going in and out of interviews and talking to police and it was like he was like profiled by fbi agents yeah. for that you know that whole thing where they where they uh can determine a profile mm-hmm. um so he participated in that like all this stuff so he got a lot of privileges and they had determined that he was going down into evidence rooms or getting a hold of files and we're reading up on these missing people's oh cases. Gosh. So he knew details about stuff that... When he probably didn't do it. When he didn't do it. Yeah. Yeah, he would just claim, 
Where he would listen to, like, other people's accounts of stories and just make up his own. God. Oh, gosh. He was originally sentenced to death, but his sentence was commuted to life imprisonment by George W. Bush in 1998. Henry Lee Lucas would die of a heart attack in prison in 2001 at age 64 years of age. I said age twice. (laughs) But that's just ironic because his mom died of a heart attack, too, even though he stabbed her. Mm -hmm. But still, right? At 64. That's wild. As for Otis Toole, the man would be convicted for six deaths of his own, including the arson case that claimed the life of George Sonnenberg. He was also suspected of killing Adam Walsh. Do you know who Adam Walsh is? I don't think so. He's the son of the victim advocate and America's most wanted host, John Walsh. Yes, I know who that is. Yeah. So anytime anybody hears an uh, code Adam, that's code, like, we used to have it at a grocery store I used to work at. Where if someone calls a code Adam, you lock the doors, no in and outs, until the child is located. Yeah. Yes, Adam Walsh was is the son of John Walsh, and Adam was taken from a department store while shopping with his mother. His decapitated head was later found uh, a few days later. I think it was oh, like four days later. It's awful. The rest of his remains were never recovered. Otis Toole was known to decapitate his other victims, some of whom were young boys. Hmm. Tool did confess to the murder and told the cops how he did it, but then later recanted. Hmm. He's like, oh, I did that. This is all the details. He's like, no, had a written confession and then was like, oh, no, wait, no, it was all just a lie. Hmm. Which recanting was like Henry Lucas's thing. He was like, oh, yeah, yeah you're right. I didn't do that. My bad. <laughs> just to be like a fucking troll. Although this has been a longstanding suspicion, it has yet to be confirmed forensically that Tool was mm-hmm. Adam's murderer. Another possible suspect for the Adam Walsh murder is actually Jeffrey Dahmer. Really? Yes, although this, too, was never confirmed. Interesting. Tool would die in prison due to cirrhosis of the liver at <laughs> 49 years old. Not even the alcoholic. Yeah, <laughs> he three was... alcoholics <laughs> in this story, and none of them died from cirrhosis except for him. <laughs> except for him. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, that is the case of Henry Lee Lucas. There is a documentary that is on Netflix called The Confession Killer that goes into all of the details yeah. of the victims of the crimes, the toll that it took on the families that they thought that these murders were being solved mm-hmm. and they weren't. That's he was so just awful. using up these resources. It goes through his trial process, all that stuff. So yeah. very interesting stuff. Tons tons more information out there for sure, but I did want to yeah. focus just solely on his early childhood and yeah, those sure. contributing factors oh, versus I mean oh, yeah. There's no secret, there's no question why he did what he did, like, mm-hmm. with all of the things that he went through as a child. Like, mm-hmm. the psychological abuse, the psychological torture, if, if, if anything, you know, like, the the physical abuse, the, yeah. the coma, all that. Like, that's right. got it. I mean, that obviously takes a toll on someone's fucking mental health, and it ruined him as a person, I think. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and I definitely think that... Just given the amount of instances that he was physically harmed to the point of needing medical attention and didn't receive it, in fact, was made to suffer longer through that, I think really took away a lot of that empathy he possibly could have had for other people. Yeah. Because he went through physical pain that way. He's like, I went through this, so why can't other people, you know? He probably, you know was able to, I can never say this word, and that clip Compartmentalize. Yes, thank you. (laughs) I can never say that word, that he had to do that and put his pain away, and, you know, it was kind of like mind over matter, and 
how easy after repetition of that being repeated over and over and over and over and over again, how easy it must have been for him to just check out, you know? Yeah, I think so. So, yeah, interesting case. Well, good case. Thanks for bringing that. Thank you guys for joining us today. Do you have anything else? Do you want to give more handles? Yeah, you can catch us anywhere on social media at Diagnosing a Killer, other than X, which is at Killer Diagnosis. Check out our website, diagnosingakiller.com. There you will find links to merch and resources. Grab some merchy merch. Use that bracelet form mm-hmm. and fill out a bracelet. We've got a few requests for those. So they're in our it's on our link tree on in our Instagram. link tree on our Instagram. Yes. Thank yeah. you. Well, keep coming back. Like, listen, guys, we have another patron-only case coming out mm-hmm. on the 29th of this month. Did you already say who you're doing? I did. It's Columbine. Yes, Columbine. So it's yes. Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold. Yes, mm-hmm. that's going to be a fukin doozy, and that is going to be for our tier two and three Patreon members. Yes. Thank you guys so much for your continued support. We literally could not be here without you, so we really appreciate everything that you guys do for us. And any people that want to do that can go to patreon.com slash diagnosing a killer to support us that way. Yeah. Keep requesting cases, y'all. Yeah, please. And keep DMing us and saying, love you, bye. (laughs) We'll talk to you later. Love Love you. you. Bye. Featured in Vogue, Forbes, and more, Alariz has the most beautiful and expertly crafted diamond jewelry for that special someone in your life. From engagement rings, pendants, and earrings, you're sure to find the perfect gift that expresses exactly how you feel. Click the link in the show notes to receive $10 off all orders plus free shipping. Alarez, fitting all your jewelry needs from A to Z.